Hey, this is Jamie from Stonemaier Games, and today I'm going to talk about some tools at your disposal and my disposal as a designer if you decide that your game is the best version of itself with rounds. So a round is a, kind of an artificial structure, artificial construct that a game can have, um, some natural breakpoints in the game to either determine the length of the game. Sometimes you can say a game has four rounds and we're gonna play four rounds in this game. Or uh, there's other reasons, like you've put out a bunch of workers on the board and you need a time to pick them all back up. Um, and there are many ways that you can break out of the mold of rounds. I think this is often kind, oftentimes the default way of thinking about a game, particularly a Euro strategy game. But um, a game doesn't need rounds. There are many ways to break out of that and just have a game that flows from one turn to the next. Many of my games do this. But some of mine don't, and some Stillmire games don't. Wingspan has rounds. Wingspan has done pretty well for itself. Uh, Viticulture has rounds. Viticulture is our number three top seller. Uh, and uh, a Pendulum has rounds between two cities, between two castles. We have a lot of games with rounds. So these are some tools at your disposal if, uh, if your game needs to have rounds and is the best version of itself with rounds. So the first one is a somewhat obvious one, um, but I think it's worth mentioning, is that it, that that rounds give you an opportunity to update the turn order. And as part of this, it means that your game might have some tension based on who gets to something first. And that's where, uh, that tension is great, I think, in games. And rotating the turn order can, um, can be a way of, of uh, equally distributing that tension around the table. One example of this is a game that I have, Dog Park. Dog Park is a game that has, I believe, four rounds. And in Dog Park, at the end of each round, you rotate the first player token clockwise. It's very simple. I generally recommend keeping this very simple um, because it's easy to remember. It's easy to, uh, to kind of remember whose turn is next. Uh, well, that's a whole other discussion, but I think rounds do this. They give you an opportunity to shift that first player token clockwise. One other thing that some games do is that they give you an action where you can claim the first player for the next round. That's nice too, especially if there's a bunch, if there's a high meaning behind first player. The only downside of that is that it means that if there's a player who gets really into taking that first player token, then the player to their left, if you play clockwise, has a pretty big advantage without actually having to do anything other than deciding where they wanted to sit down at the table. So I generally like the idea that you can't claim first player, it just rotates clockwise around the table. Rounds give you a good time to do that. Number two, in no particular order this, this entire list, is that rounds give you a way to have accumulating values and incentives for unselected cards and actions. I just talked about a game recently, um, Champions of Midgard, that does this. And Champions of Midgard, if you don't choose an action, if no player chooses a certain action, you add a die or a token to that action for the next round. So it gets better, gets more appealing in the next round. Lords of Waterdeep does the same thing. If someone hasn't chosen an action, certain actions can get better. Um, and uh, and Agricola does this too. Agricola, I would say, is maybe one of the forefathers of this mechanism where uh, there, there are a number of actions on the board where if you haven't taken um, a, uh, a read from, from the board, you get an additional read. That action gains an additional read. Some games also have this, with like Terra Mystica has it, where if, you, if no player chooses a uh, starting round bonus, that bonus gets a coin on it. It makes it more appealing for those who might choose it. It's not an action that you have to choose, but it's a, it's a benefit that you might choose at the beginning of the next round. So I think that works really well in rounds. It's a time to stop and say, hey, let's add stuff to these things that no one did. Let's make them more appealing. Number three is asymmetric player-specific bonuses or abilities. 
Um, again, I mentioned, mentioned Terra Mystica a second ago, where you are getting an asymmetric benefit for the round and usually a little income benefit for the beginning of the round itself. Uh, that feels really good. Rounds are a good time to offer players an asymmetric bonus. And another game that does it in, I think, a, a very, uh, not subtle way, but a different way is Trick Takers. Trick Takers is an asymmetric trick-taking game where instead of choosing a character uh, for the entire game, you are choosing a character for the round. And that that character has a very unique minigame just for that character that they are playing for the course of that round. And it's such strong asymmetry that I really like that you get to switch up that character each round, that you aren't stuck with it for the entire game. And you get to actually look at your, look at your hand of cards and trick takers before choosing your character. So you can look at this information that you have and choose the character that's the, the best fit for that specific hand of cards. I think that's really cool. So this idea of having different asymmetric elements for each, each player um, that change at the end of the round or the beginning of the next round, I think that's really cool in games that have rounds. Number four, passive benefits and progress. This is one of my favorite things that game with round, games with rounds do really well. This doesn't really work if you don't have rounds in the game. An example of this is Viticulture. In Viticulture, without you having to do anything other than wait for the round to end, um, you get to age all of your grapes and all of your wine tokens. They all gain plus one in value if you have room for them on your crush pad and if you've made, if you built out your cellars to have room for them. And this feels really good. Passive benefits feel really good. You have set yourself up to gain these things and it gives you a strong incentive early in the game to get whatever those things are, in this case, grapes and wine, on your crush pad, on your, in your cellar, so that they can get these passive benefits um, from then on. Another game that does this is Tsulkin. Tsulkin's the game with these gears that turn from round to round. You place your workers on these gears and without you doing anything, each round, those gears turn forward and the benefits that you get if you choose to ch take your workers off those dials, off those wheels, get better, they get better. Um, so I love this idea of passive benefits and progress in games with rounds. Number five is variable scoring. Um, I, I think games with rounds give you opportunities to score the game in different ways. Wingspan has this. Wingspan has end of round goals that you can pursue, or is one specific end of round goal uh, per, per round. Isle of Sky and Cartographers, I think, have my favorite version of this mechanism. In Isle of Sky and Cartographers, there's a random assortment of goals. Um, in Isle of Sky, it's very visible. You have, you have four goals, and in round one, depends on your player count a little bit, but in round one, the game might say, okay, at the end of this round, you are going to score for goal A and goal D. You'll score for those two. And then in the next round, you'll score for maybe A and B. I don't remember the exact uh, breakdown. But you end up scoring each of the goals uh, either two or three times. I know in Cartographers, it's two times. You'll score each of the goals twice but you're kind of breaking it down over the course of the game. You get to score this one goal now, but you know later on in the game, you're gonna also score that same goal later. And the order of those goals and how they match together creates a ton of variability in the game because you have four different goals that are coming out at different times and paired together at different times as well. But overall, I just like the idea that games with rounds give you opportunities to uh, to score throughout the game and it gives players short-term goals to pursue as they're, lo as, as they're looking for things to do throughout the game. Number six is comparative scoring. This is a little bit related to this. Belfort and Glenmore are two games that do this really well, where at the end of the round, Belfort has a little area control thing that you're going to look at. You're going to look at how many different workers you have in certain areas and, and your control of the, the town of Belfort. You'll look at that. You'll score for it. In Glenmore, you will, uh, and this is the, the brilliance of Glenmore, is that you are comparing the number of certain resources that you have to... Um, 
to the, the lowest player at the table. And that difference is what matters. Um, that difference between those two resources. So you're, you're comparing yourself to another player. The end of the round is a great time to do this. You can build up a bunch of stuff during the round and then compare it to other players. And that might change because you might want to spend that stuff in the next round. Number seven, income. This is a huge one, right? This whole concept of income um, where you are, this is a, a big form of progression in games with rounds where you are setting yourself up to earn more income at, at the end of the round. Uh, a recent great example of this is Arc Nova. In Arc Nova, when you gain victory points, one type of the victory points, you are also improving your income. So you're gaining points and income as a result. It's a great dual benefit that you're getting from uh, from the tickets that you sell for people who are coming to your zoo. And at the, at the beginning of the next round, you get that money and it feels really good to get that influx of money. So having control over improving your income and then having uh, that timing factor of how, how do I get a little bit more income before the end of the round happens feels really good in Arc Nova. Another example of this is my game Tapestry. Tapestry is a game I'll talk about a little bit later as having non-traditional rounds where there isn't a set time where everyone has their own rounds. But in Tapestry, you gather income when your round is done. And so you, sometimes you might even end your round a little bit early because there might be something that you want to do that you can't afford yet, even though you have a few resources. And so you might end your round to get that influx of resources to be able to afford that new thing. Number eight is timed benefits and thematic events. A recent game of mine, a recent new favorite, Lands of Galzir, does this really well. And the other example is Obsession. I'll start with Obsession. Obsession has a, on the points track or on the round track itself, there are different events that are going to happen. Uh, and they're very thematic. They're things like, you know, you, you will go to a ball in round eight, that sort of thing in Obsession. And so I like that it has these thematic events tied to the round track itself. So this is a good reminder. In a round track, it doesn't just have to be like one, two, three, four, five, just tracking the number of the round. There can also be something specific that happens, something thematic that happens uh, at the end or at the beginning of specific rounds. And I think Lands of Galzir does this in a really clever way, kind of a, a little twist on this, in that there are... Um, companions and tools and things that you're gathering during the game, things that you're gaining, cards that you're gaining, where they are timed benefits. And so I might have a companion card that says, you know, I can hang out with you for two days. And I will mark that with a, a token on the companion card and on the round track, uh, which also corresponds with the days of the week. And when I get to that second day or the, or the beginning of the third day, um, I, I move the round to token onto that day where I have the, the, a little token there. And that tells me, hey, I have to send this character away now. My companion is leaving me now. So it has, it isn't exactly events built into the round track, but it is uh, this idea of the things that you have are temporary, temporary and transient. And the round track makes it very easy for you to remember when those things are going away. Number nine is... Uh, Public Supply Reset. This is a classic thing that I think a lot of games with rounds do. It is a time in the game where certain aspects of the public supply are reset. For example, in Wingspan, the bird tray, the three cards on the bird tray, they are wiped clean at the end of the round and you put three new birds out there. This adds tension to the game because it means if you really want one of those bird cards, you need to go get it now before the round is over. And it means that there's an automatic refresh. If players aren't gaining those cards from the bird tray, it probably means they don't want them at that time. Let's get three new bird cards out there. Arc Nova does a partial refresh. Arc Nova, I think, has six cards on the board. Two of them go, go away. The other four slide down. Um, and uh, two examples I have here as well are Azul. Azul has a big refresh because you're drafting these tokens in Azul. And uh, you aren't even wiping anything, really. You're wiping some things clean, but not much. 
uh, you're really just refreshing all of the, the different pools of tokens that you can gain in Azul. The other example, a really clever example, is Lost Ruins of Arnak. In Lost Ruins of Arnak, you're not just refreshing the cards, but you're also moving the round tracker over to change the number of the two different types of cards that are associated with the, the card row. There are, there are the item cards that you can gain the equipment, and there's also the artifacts. At the beginning of the game, there are very few artifacts out and a lot of equipment. And as that round tracker moves forward, you're putting more artifacts on the board and fewer equipment because equipment is less useful late in the game. I think that's a really clever twist on it. Number 10, uh, similar to kind of a, uh, a reset, is refreshing the puzzle of the game itself. And this ties a little bit to Azul. That's part of the uh, puzzle in Azul. But um, I'm specifically talking about Libertalia here, because in Libertalia, there are two elements, elements of the puzzle that you are refreshing at the end of the round. One is you are supplying each day of the game with loot tokens. And so certain, they're random loot tokens. So you don't know what loot tokens are going to be out there until you put them on the board. And then you can kind of plan ahead for that round to say, on this specific day, I need to play a really high value character so I can get that really valuable loot token. On this day, there's you know not a lot of good stuff, but also not a lot of not a lot of bad stuff. So I'll, I'll save a fairly weak character for that day. Along with that, you were refreshing the cards in your hand itself in Libertalia. So in Libertalia, you get six new character cards. All players get those same six character cards, and uh, and so that the, that's the new puzzle for that round that you're getting these, those new characters. The additional twist in Libertalia is that any characters that you did not play in the previous round, they remain in your hand. And so you might end up with very different hands, characters in your hand in the next round compared to the other players. So I really like the idea of refreshing the puzzle. Using a round is a good time to refresh the puzzle in a game. Number 11 is having a climactic end and or a shared antagonist. So Dune Imperium, I think, has one of the best climatic ends of the round of any game that I've played. At the end of each round in Dune Imperium, you are... Oh, okay. Um, at the end of a round in Dune Imperium, you have a conflict, or you probably have a conflict if you have put any soldiers into the conflict arena. And so rather than doing this during the round, it does take a little bit of time. Uh, you don't want to take away from kind of the smooth flow of the game in, in, uh, in Dune Imperium. You wait for the end of the round and you have this big climactic battle, this big moment where you're trying to get victory points. You're trying to get these big benefits. That feels good. It feels good to plan ahead for that too. You're building towards that each round. You're building towards this climax. Champions of Midgard has something similar where there are actions that you're placing workers during the round that indicate um, what you're going to fight basically at the end of the round. Are you going on a, a journey to fight a sea monster? Are you going to fight a troll? Are you going to fight a, a, a dragor, I think, or what they're called? Um, a drog? Drog? Is that the name? Um, and so you're building towards these battles that happen at the end of the round. There's this climactic feel to it. And the troll in particular is kind of a shared antagonist because if no one fights the troll, then everyone gets a blame token at the end of the round. So I think this is another clever thing to do that you don't necessarily have to be fighting other players. You can be fighting creatures and sometimes those creatures can be a threat to all players, even in a competitive game. I think that having the end of the round be it, the time to do that fits really well in a game like this in a game with rounds specifically. Number 12, public asymmetry. I talked about private asymmetry earlier, but public asymmetry is, I think is also really, really helpful. One example of this is creature comforts. In creature comforts, you have two se big season cards that come out each round that give you different action spaces with different benefits. And you also have a visiting creature card that comes out um, that's available for all players. These are available for all players. And the visiting creature often gives all players either a one-time benefit, an ongoing benefit, and an action where you can place workers during that round. 
So this mixes up the board a little bit. Again, it kind of mixes up the puzzle from, from round to round with an element of asymmetry in the game. I probably could have combined this with the, the, the refresh the puzzle element at number 10. The other example of this is the Guild of Merchant Explorers. In the Guild of Merchant Explorers, you uh, are revealing cards one at a time during each round and uh, to show players what they are going to mark on their map. And all players have to mark the same type of thing, like they have to put a token on a mountain, but all players will probably choose different mountains or different specific spaces on their board where there are mountains. And this puzzle needs a refresh at the end of the round because there's only one mountain card in the game or in, in the game for each round. And so you, once you've revealed a mountain, you're not going to reveal another one for that round. And so you, at the end of the round, you refresh those cards and uh, you slide in a new card as well for the, the new round. You shuffle them up and then you reveal them. You have a new puzzle in the next round. And number 13, another refresh element. Refresh or re-roll your personal supply. I wasn't even quite sure how to say this, but I wanted to mention Dice Miner on this list because it does something really, really cool. In Dice Miner, you are drafting dice and you gain the benefits immediately when you draft the die. However, in addition to that, and this is the thing that makes Dice Miner feel, feel so good, is that at the beginning of each round, you roll all of your dice and gain all of those benefits. You have all those benefits. Um, most of them don't matter right away. Most of them matter for the end of the round, but it gives you this strong sense of progress from round to round that you've accumulated all these dice and you actually get to roll them. You aren't just drafting dice that you never get to roll. It's a nice little clever hook. I don't know how to categorize it, but having that round to round element of, of gaining more dice, adding them to your pool and then rolling them using the round end as a time to roll those dice and get a bunch of random benefits. Really cool, really cool element of dice miner. That's number 13. Number 14, this ties to income a little bit, but um, talking about free supplies, when the game just gives you free stuff um, at the end of the round or the beginning of the new round, uh, using rounds as a chance to give players free stuff can feel really good. Some examples of this are the Isle of Cats, where you get a bunch of fish at the end of the round. You don't have to earn them. You don't have to work on your income for fish. You get 20 fish in the Isle of Cats every round. A Feast for Odin gives you a bunch of food. How awesome is that? Gives you a bunch of food to have. And Clans of Caledonia gives you a bunch of money. Get a bunch of money. There is income in Clans of Caledonia as well. And some of the, those other games that I mentioned. Um, a Feast Road has, has income. But Clans of Caledonia, either way, you're getting a bunch of money just by default at the beginning of each round. And that feels really, really good. Number 15 is Escalation. So a recent game that I played and talked about is a game called Bullet. And in Bullet, you are adding random tokens to your bag at the, at the beginning of each round, the end of each round, one of the two, as well as all the tokens that your opponent has given you. And you don't want tokens in your bag. You want to get tokens out of your bag. But the number of random tokens from the supply that you're putting in your bag each round escalates. Starts out with four, then you're placing five, then six, then seven. More and more. And so the game is pushing you towards the end of the game without having even a set time when the game will end. Um, but the game is putting more and more pressure on you throughout the game due to this escalation. Seven Wonders does something similar, um, not in terms of pushing your luck, but in Seven Wonders, the battles escalate from round to round. The value of winning a battle gets higher and higher for over each of the three eras of the game. And Russian Railroads as well escalates in a different way. In Russian Railroads, you are getting very, very few points in the first round, but in the final round of the game, you might get 200 points. So there's this huge feeling of escalation over the course of the game where you're starting out with, starting out with very little, and at the end of the game, you're getting so much. And having the round-by-round -round breakdown really contributes to this, especially with Seven Wonders and Bullet. There's the time in the game where the game is saying this is defined differently from now on. This uh, this this uh, thing that you're getting, you're getting more of it from now on, even though you don't want it. And number 16 is organic 
and staggered. Oh, this is kind of more than just a reminder. Organic and stand and staggered round ends are fine. I, I yeah, I wanted to mention this in particular because in a lot of games with rounds, it is just kind of the default that all players end their round at the same time. Everyone's run out of workers. The round is end over. Let's do all the round stuff together, and this can work well, especially if you're teaching the game. Here's all the stuff that you need to do. We're going to do it together at the same time. But not every game needs to necessarily do that. In Everdell and Tapestry, your round can end whenever you want it to. You can say, okay, I'm, I'm going to take an income turn now. Income turn is essentially the end of your round. You are moving on to a new era. Other players might remain in a previous era. Their civilizations might need to catch up a little bit. Um, and Everdell something, does something differently. When you are done moving for if you're done doing stuff if you can't build anything if you can't place workers on your turn your round ends and you get to move on to the next round and continue playing you don't have to wait for the other players to catch up you get to continue playing um am i remembering that correctly neverdale do you actually get to continue playing i believe you do i believe you do uh two other kind of examples of this are arc nova and Ra. in arc nova and Ra, there isn't a set time for the game to end there's a time there's a time the game says this is there's a rule that says what this is when the game ends but it isn't based on uh, doing a very specific non-variable uh, number of things. In Arc Nova, it's whenever play players have decided to push the round to the end using the little coffee mug token. And in Ra, it's when the, there are enough Ra tokens out on the board that, uh, that it just triggers the end of the round. You don't know exactly when it's going to happen. It contributes to kind of the push your luck element of Ra. So I like this idea of variable, organic, staggered end of rounds. Number 17 is rounds give you an opportunity to offer a catch-up mechanism. I think the Quacks of Quinlanburg does this really, really well, where at the beginning of each round, if you are, uh, you'll, you'll count the number of, uh, of rat tails of all things, the round number of rat tails between you on the score track, between you and the player with the, mo the highest score, and that number of rat tails equal, gives you a little bit of a head start for that next round. So I think having the round-to-round -round breakdown gives you a good time to look at the status of all players, see if someone's really pulling away or if someone's really falling behind, and offering a little catch-up mechanism, a little boost for that player who's fallen behind. It doesn't really work if you're doing this on an ongoing basis, but with the round structure, you do have the ability to add a catch-up mechanism. Number 18, we're almost done, two more. Number 18 is simultaneous play. Rounds, games with rounds offer simultaneous play. Um, with little breaks, because it's nice in a game where you have simultaneous play for there to be some some natural breaks, some a time to say, okay, let's let's get to, let's act together, let's look at what each other is doing right now, um, and let's pause the game for a second. So in simultaneous play, Orleans, Orleans lets players put all the workers on their board simultaneously, but then you do the rest of the round, you activate those workers turn by turn, and. Uh, in Planet Unknown, Planet Unknown, a recent favorite of mine. It's a game where you are gaining polyamino tiles, placing them on your planet, advancing your, your engine, your corporation. Um, all that happens simultaneously. And really the, the round end in Planet Unknown is very simple. All you're doing is turning the, the table so that uh, another player, the, the next player, you're, you're rotating the first player around the table so the next player can choose which orientation they want the, uh, the, uh, the, the, the token holder, the tile holder to, to have. So very easy end of round for that. It can be more complex. But, um, but I like this idea of having simultaneous stuff happening and then a little break for the end of the round. Then more simultaneous stuff that lets the game flow really, really well. And finally, um, number 19, giving you tension and control of the length of the game as the designer. And I, I use Wingspan as an example here. In Wingspan, it's a game with four rounds. And why four rounds? Why not five rounds? Why not three rounds? 
It's one of the reasons that as Elizabeth was playtesting Wingspan, she kept a close eye on how long she wanted the game to be and how the curve of each player's engine was going. Because you want players to be able to build up an engine and use it a little bit, but not overuse it to the point where they're like, there's nothing else I can do now. I can't, I can't do anything else. I filled out my map. I, I can't do anything else. Um, and so having a round-by-round -round structure where the game length is determined by the number of rounds gives the designer a lot of control. It lets you say, I've playtested all this, I've determined that this is the sweet spot for how long the game should end, and typically in playtesting, this happens after X number of rounds, that will be how long the game is. I will make the game, in Wingspan's case, four rounds. It'll be a four-round game. So it gives you control as a designer, and I think control as a designer can be really helpful at times for ensuring that most players have the most fun out of playing the game. That's 19. I, could, I couldn't come up with 20. I'm sure there's a 20th. Let me know what, what you think number 20 should be for a nice round, even number. But uh, but yeah, I don't think about games with rounds a lot, even though when I'm playing a game with rounds, I'm like, oh, this is really cool that they have this. I, I, I'm glad that they're they're doing this. Um, I'm always more thinking about how can I get away with get away from the round structure and just have a, a flow of play where I'm taking a turn, you're taking a turn, and we just flow from one turn to the next. But this list was a great reminder to me that there's lots of cool stuff that you can do if your game needs to have rounds. Um, you don't have to do all of these things, but I think picking a few of these things that work from this list that, uh, that can make your game even stronger is a great option to consider. And I'd love to hear your thoughts about this in the comments below, whether you're designing a game with rounds or if you can think of other games that have multiple categories from this list in, in the, that game itself. I'd love to hear your, your thoughts in the comments below. Thanks.